Let's learn. So we're starting the next episode right now of the what and why of prayer, and we're going to be focusing on the end of davening. This is a part of davening which a number of people miss every day. So it's important to appreciate what's actually going on over here. There's a lot of fascinating details to this. To this. Before we start, I'd like to uh, thank Leah and Steve Rockland who are sponsoring today's shiur. And we are uh, learning Le'ilu Nishmas, Leah's father whose yard site is Boba Yamas, today the 18th of um, Tammuz. Le'ilu Nishmas, Mr. Dovid Kovac, David Ben Yisak, Olav Hashalom, Mr. Shem. He should have a lechtegegan Eden, and he should have continued nachas from his mishpacha always. Let's learn a little bit. So there's a lot of different pieces that make up the end of davening. Not all of them have the same theme with each other. So for instance, we have Ashrei, Lamatzeach, Uvalatzion. There's a Kaddish, there's Aleinu, there's Shir Shilyam. There's a few other things that make up the end of davening. What holds it all together? What, um, and what is the meaning of some of this? So just a few what's over here is, when does one leave out the Lamatzeach, Mizmor David? Interestingly enough, it does not follow the same rules as Tachnun, generally speaking, for Ashkenaz. It's only on very special days. So, for instance, obviously on Yom Tov, you're not saying it because you don't have that Ashrei Avaletzion on Shabbos or Yom Tov. But on a regular weekday, if it were to be a Rosh Chodesh, Erev Pesach, Erev Yom Kippur, Chanukah, Purim, or in a base Avel, one would not say it. If an Avel is davening in Shul, so let's say you have a situation where a person is not, not doing a Shiva minion in their house, but they come to Shul, they would say it. In the community, the, the, there's in the community, that's not considered the base Avel. But if a person is in the base Avel, and that's where uh, one is, one would not say the Lamanatzach. It is worthwhile noting that in Nusach Ari, Nusach Ari is a little more liberal when it comes to Lamanatzach, and it follows a little more closely the Tachanun schedule. Is that correct, Rabbi So what happens is that on a day that is where one would not say Tachanun, which is a little more expansive than the list for Lamanatzach, also the Lamanatzach disappears as well, just to be aware of that. So if we have, uh, if we have somebody who's doubting Nusach Ari for, for the Ahmed, always important to, re- to remember this, um, the, this if one's in Ashkenazi Shul or vice versa. Um, if one is pressed for time, what is the triage? What is more important? So let's say a person has to leave early. A person has to leave early. What is more important to be said, to be said with the community, in the community? Um, and the answer in Halacha is the Ashrei and Valetzion take precedence over the Aleinu and Shir Shalyam. Fascinatingly enough. Meaning if a person has to leave and they only have two minutes and they need to get in one piece before they leave, they should be doing Ashrei Valetzion rather than the Aleinu, which they should say later on. Fascinating in, in Alakha. What happens if the, the community reaches Vata Kodesh before me? This happens all the time if a person is re- reading and davening slower. So let's say one is midway through Ashrei and the community is already at Vata Kodesh What should one do? So in that situation, a person should put their finger on the place where they are, stop, and do the whole Kedusha, that's all the whole Aramaic section with the Pesukim in between, and then come back to where they are. So the one's doing the, uh, the Kedusha with the community and then goes back to where they are supposed to be at that point in time. Will they say it again? Um, will they say it again? It's a good question. I don't think they would. Uh, they can, they don't have to. Um, yes, yes, the same thing. All, all the way, the Kedusha to Sidra, the whole, the whole thing to, to, to the end of Ay Hashem Imloich, right, to the whole, the whole thing as well. Um, which, by the way, should be said together, just there's no introductory um, 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 phrase. Um, should I say Uvalatzion aloud or quietly? So, interestingly enough, a differ- there's a differentiation when it comes to being alone or in community. If you're in a community, you're supposed to say it silently, except for the Pesukim you say aloud. If you're by yourself, you are allowed to say it aloud. Interesting, interesting difference, which not most people know. A lot of people like to say it aloud. Actually, it's supposed to be said quietly, except for the Pesukim, which are said 
allowed, which are supposed to be said <coughs> together. Um, what about Oleinu? So let's say I come into a shul and I'm, as an example, let's say you're in a shul like today, where the davening is longer. So let's say you're coming in from the 8 o'clock, you're coming in early from the 9 o'clock to the 9 o'clock davening, and the 8 o'clock davening is still finishing. So they're at Oleinu. What is my responsibility? The halacha is, is that you have to daven aleinu. You have to always say aleinu. So let's say, another example is, let's say you've already daven mincha, and you are now coming in to, to, uh, to of course, here, the, 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 the Dvar Torah between mincha and of course, um, and to daven Marev, and you come in at the end of mincha, and they're up to aleinu. You have a responsibility to say aleinu as well. It's one of these things that it seems that there's something missing when you are not doing it with the community. Everybody says, and you busy doing something else. That doesn't look right. So, so one should be saying aleinu. What if you are a Nusach Ashkenaz person, davening in a Nusach Sfarad um, uh, environment, which happens a lot of times. So let's say a person, and this affects the Aleinu situation, where the Aleinu is said earlier when it comes to Nusach Ashkenaz, and is said later according to the Nusach Svarad. So one can either simply pivot to the Nusach Svarad and do something else while they're doing Eden Kelokeinu. And then, uh, and then say the Aleinu with them. But if one decides to go in one's own Nusach quietly, one's not allowed to explicitly go against the community, and says Aleinu first, there's a debate, debate as to whether one says Aleinu a second time in that situation, because one's going to bump into the community saying it the second time, when many points can say one would certainly still need to say it later again with them. So again, these are situations that one, one, one encounters in terms of the end of davening um, as well. Let's, uh, let's try to break down a little bit of the why, some of the fascinating observations as to why. Why are we doing Ashrei again? It's the only piece of davening that appears twice. Actually, not necessarily. There is Adon Olam, we'll think about why, why, why that appears twice as well, on Shabbos at least. But, um, but why is Ashrei twice? So the, the answer is, is it's not twice, it's three times. So that's part of the reason, is actually we say Ashrei three times. Wait a second, when is it three times? When you do it twice in Shachras. Third time is? Mincha. So that's instituted that way because of the Gemara and Brachos, which tells us, Omar Rebbe Lezer, this is Rebbe Lezer, this is Gemara and Brachos, Dalet and Beis, Omar Rebbe Avina, Kola Aimet Tila Ladavid, Bechol Yom Shalosh Pamim, Murtach Lul Shalosh Ben Olam Abba. You said three times, you're in. Right, that, that means you're, you're, you belong to the, the, the world to come. Folks, if it was that easy just to do this, but obviously it means to say, the one has to be focusing and thinking about what this means, it's not just simply saying the formula taking the medication. My timer, what's the reason? So the Gemara Prayer suggests two, two reasons which seem to be disparate. The Gemara says, If you say because it's, uh, it has the Aleph Bays in it, it has all, or maybe not all, the Aleph Bays. It has 21 lines um, of the 22 letters of the Aleph Bays, excluding the nun of, um, of, of um, in, the, in the Aleph base, maybe because it's that, that warrants it its uh, primacy. If you're interested in doing the Aleph base, well, 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 there's another Mizmor and Dehlim which can easily um, outdo that Aleph base of Ashra, and that is Tehillim Kuf Yotes, which has Aleph base eight times in a row. Imagine what Pesukah de Zira would look like like that. Right, so the longest mizmor in Tehillim, eight times twenty-two, none included. You would be able, you would be doing the, the um, if you if Aleph Beis is such a value. Now, by the way, we should question this in our minds when we read this Gemara and say, wait, does that, is this is this a value, or is this a, a, a just a practicality? Meaning, surely the Aleph Beis is simply just a way to remember it. Right? Why is that considered such a value that the Gemara even suggests that the Aleph Beis 
is, a, is, is something which would warrant you becoming a bit of an Amaba. Just worthwhile thinking about that. And the Gemara says, No, because there's this verse, which is a really important verse, which is, So the Gemara asks on that, You should say, What is Halal HaGadol, folks? That's Halal HaGadol, the 26th Mizmar um, um, of uh, uh, the 26th line. Mizmar of Halal HaShem, which we say on Shabbos, Pesukah, December, we said Halal on the night of the Seder. So that has more about Hashem sustaining the world. That seems to, so in each direction, if the value is Aleph Beis, we have something better. If we have Poseh Chazdech, we have something better. So why, do you, why, why is this so significant, says the Gemara? El Mishum de Isbe Tarte. It has both these elements. And we say, we sit there wondering, what does it mean it has these two elements? Why is Aleph Beis even, even a value to, to warrant being a better Lavaba? So there are a lot of, lot of explanations which are suggested. Um, I'd like to, 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 to address one which was which Rav Cook actually suggested Bayaldusai in his in his youth. Okay, this we we've not learned before together. If you take a look at his Pirish on the Gomorrah in Brachas of Yahanas Gomorrah, we're gonna skip the whole main main section, but in source two, um, it's about um, five lines up from the bottom of the of the main paragraph main, main column. And the last one of the line is Uviyaldusai, and in my youth. Now remember, he's writing this not so when he's not so old. He's writing this in the eighteen nineties. Okay, so he's a young rabbi here in Boisk in Lithuania. And he, and he says, but in my childhood, right, <laughs> this is my explanation. Folks, I wish we had childhood explanations which match these. But here's what he says. What are these two values? Um, what does Aleph Beis mean? Aleph Beis means to say that we recognize that there is an order to creation. When I look around me and I see the mountain ranges, I see the rivers, the valleys, I see the ecosystem and how everything works together in one, one whole, and I study biology and then I realize how incredibly complex the, the system is around us, I, I, I get this appreciation that Hashem put a Seder into. The Seder is expressed by Hashem's creation of the world through the letters, through the Aleph Beis. Letters, so what is Aleph Beis referring to? That there is an order. It's not chaotic. It wasn't, it wasn't by chance that HaKadosh Baruch Hu actually had a program when creating the world. That's the Aleph Beis program, which, we're, we're, which he's able to see reverse I, I appreciate in creation. Formlam, yesh minim, there are those heretics who say, yeah, God created the world, but then he went fishing. Right? So he like he had other universes that he was interested in, other experiments just for fun. It's not enough to say that God created the world and had a program. You have to also have to, to add on to that that part of that program was that he continued being invested in that program and cares about it and what we call Hashkacha Pratis. Hashem has specific um, oversight over this world, providence. You want to be a person who is a believer, a person who gets into Olam Abba, you need to have both. You need to look at the creation and realize there was a creator. This is an organized structure. HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world through language. That's why even, even the genetic code is, la is linguistically based. It's fascinating. Right? HaKadosh Baruch Hu's language created the world. So there's, there, there's the creator. But it's not enough there's a creator, there is the overseer. HaKadosh Baruch Hu as the one who is Poseh HaZech Vasper L'Chol Chairatzon. L'Chol Chairatzon even means the amoeba, right? So it means that Hashem still, still continually sustains. You need to have both those sets of beliefs to be a, a believing person, which is what we're supposed to be doing in Ashrei. So Ashrei is supposed to be that wherever we look in the world, we see the godliness of the Creator. And wherever we look in the world, we see HaKadosh Baruch Hu's indi um, um, actual individual fingerprint in terms of 
in terms of his sustaining the world. So those are the two elements which Rav Kook suggests over here in the Ashray, which is why it's so important to say three times over, we're trying to educate not Hashem, but ourselves about this. We're trying to remind ourselves of these things and hopefully at least one time it'll stick and that we become a person who lives a life in accordance to these, the, these values. So um, just a very beautiful thing. If you want to take a look, there is another explanation he has, which is a more complex explanation as to the Aleph base, the Poseh We'll leave this, we discussed this at a previous, at a previous venue. Um, now, yeah. Very, there's a very famous Mesha Chachma in Pashas Bechol Kosai. He basically has the same, oh, really? the same idea. Oh, really? Fascinating. He compares Ashrim Bechol Yom and Hal Bechol Yom because nature in Aleph Beis is representation of the organization of nature. Fascinating. Yeah, so. Fascinating. It's very similar. As opposed to saying Hal Bechol uh, Yom, which miracles. is not supposed to, the miracles. It's the interplay of miracles. You're supposed to see that. Hashem in the, in the natural. Right, Beautiful. Right. Beautiful. Thank you. So very much reflecting this. So that's what we're supposed to be saying in Ashray. It is worthwhile noting that apparently, somehow, if we think about this, our experience of davening in the middle, which is sandwiched in the middle, is supposed to, this is supposed to be the introduction and the epilogue to our davening, right? So it's supposed to be the prerequisite, and it's supposed to be our, 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 our takeaway from the davening. That's why our Ashray is on either side of it. Uh, but be it as it may, that's, that's supposed to be what we're educating ourselves to. It's hard to, because we're usually at this point in time, you know, the... We, we, put, we, we put our foot on the accelerator when it comes to davening at the end, but it's important to appreciate what we're trying to do. Now, Mizmor Chaf, why are we saying this and uh, this Mizmor every day? It, it, it's fascinating. You know, sometimes you'll have people who say, there's something going on in the world, we should say Tehillim after davening. I'm like, we should say Tehillim in davening, right? We do. <laughs> so why do we focus on that? So like if something bad is going wrong, then what we should be doing, we should be focusing our attention and our emotional um, energy on this Mizmor, Mizmor Chaf. Why do we say it every day? Why is it instituted? There's no other Tehillim which is sort of just thrown into the davening at this point in time. Pesukah de Zimra, yes. But this is a very different tone to Pesukah de Zimra. This is the Yanukha Hashem Yom Tzara. Hashem should help us on a difficult day. Why is it there? Um, we understand why it's omitted on a good day because it's not a Yom Tzara. But why is it there on a regular day? Is every day at Yom Tzara? So, Rav Sachs says actually his commentary on the Siddur on the Koran Sachs, um, which it goes as follows. He says, a prayer for protection from harm. As prayer reaches its close, we prepare to re-enter the outside world with its hazards and its dangers. We ask God to keep us from harm because of the solemnity of this mood is emitted on festivals in the house of mourning. So I mean to say it is the prerequisite, it's not really the, the following of davening, it's the prerequisite for what's about to happen after davening. Hashem, I'm about to enter into the world around me. It's a difficult, it's a difficult time. It's a really difficult time. Hashem, please guard me from what's about to happen where, where the, 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 uh, the exigencies of real life are going to be upon me and it's going to be complicated and there are complicated people and there's complicated circumstances and there's, there's meetings that I don't want to have and there's confrontations that are going to be unavoidable. Hashem, please, please, that there's, there's folks who put their investment in, in horses and chariots and that's not our style. We, 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 we mention your name as we enter into the world. So it's, it's seen as a prerequisite for what's about <coughs> after davening as well, which is going to be the theme of much of what we're doing now as well, which leads us into Uvalitzion. Uvalitzion is a complicated prayer. It's complicated because it has a lot of things in it. It's got Pesukim in it. It's got this Aramaic section in it. And it's also got a section which is not even prayer. It's, it's not even Pesukim. It seems to be its own prayer, right? The idea of Yerosom that is a prayer. That's, that's not Pesukim. So it's a, a complex, it's obviously a, a mixture of a number of different pieces. Um, so one thing which you should be aware of is, is that we, it is called in halacha something which is called 
Kedusha de Sidra. So the, what does that mean? The, the Gemara tells us in Saita um, that uh, the Gemara is describing that um, the, the, the situation in a post-Migdash reality is a very complex and difficult situation. The Gemara says, The continuous statement is that every day is more cursed than the next in, in, a, God, in a goddess reality, in a diaspora reality. And folks, we don't have to look too far <laughs> to, to, to find many, many curses. Um, so, so we talk about the previous morning. I mean, to say that every day we, we, we say, wait a second, today, today there's, there's more problems than, than there were before. We just thought we were getting on top of things and life is complicated. Life is, there's, there's so many things, there's so many problems. So the Gemara says, okay, that sounds very pessimistic. <laughs> so like, okay, so what's, what's, what, is, what is elevating the world? What's keeping the world afloat? If there's so many curses, there's so many difficulties. Um, the Gemara says, So it's, referred, it's because of the Kedusha de Sidra, which means literally the, the holiness, the sanctification of the order. Sidra is like the word Seder. The sanctification of the order is what keeps the world afloat. Yeshmei Rabba of Agarata. That's, that's uh, the, the, the Yeshmei Rabba of Agarata. What's Agarata usually mean? Some sort of learning, philosophical learning. So that's, that's what Morris says, keeps, uh, keeps up the world. This, generally speaking, is understood to be our Kedusha over here. The Kedusha that's at the end of Davening. We actually have Kedusha in Davening how many times? This, uh, this notion of the Kodosh, Kodosh, Kodosh. How many times do we have it? Three times. Okay, so we have it in the Yoytzer, which is the, the bracha of Kriyashma before we enter into Kriyashma. In the repetition of the Shemona Ezra, the Chazar HaSashatz, we have literally Kedusha, the Nekadesh Shimcha Ba'olam, or Nari Tzach, or Nari Right, we have it over there, Kodosh, Kodosh, Kodosh. And now we have it again with the Aramaic version. Um, what's the trajectory? What's the flow over here? Why do we need all three? So it says, Rav Hirshen, Yisidur is going to look at the first little piece here on page four. Take a look at the middle of the first line. He says, first in Yotzer and in Shemona Ezra, we hallowed the name of God, um, in words of prayer as we composed our thoughts before him. Okay, that, now we take the sanctification of God with us out into the ordinary activities, day-to-day living, so that we may remember and heed what it implies in whatever we may do. Nor should the behest to sanctify God be interpreted as a command to dwell in splendid isolation, remote from earthly affairs. Instead, we are meant to understand our task as to be performed in the very midst of our activities. The common trials and temptations are part of the ordinary, everyday living. This is thought which, which is at the root of Yonatan's interpretation of Kedusha. That's, that's why we use the Aramaic translation of Yonatan. Who's Yonatan? The Targum Yonatan ben Uziel, which is referring to, which is the Aramaic translation of Kedusha. All these things, which are the translation of the Kedusha and the, inter- the introduction and, the, and the, the epilogue to it, we put in over here. Why is it? In Aramaic, because Aramaic for many, many centuries was the lingua franca of the entire Middle East. It's interesting because when the Babylonians, when the Assyrians conquered Aram, they adopted the, uh, the language um, Aramaic. It's fascinating, even though they conquered them and then the Babylonians carried it on. And so this became the language um, which, which was used, which is why it's part of a lot of our liturgy, as well, obviously, being a holy language. There's many fascinating aspects to, Ara- to Aramaic. But be it as it may, it is a language of the street as well, which means to say, this is not the end of davening, this is the beginning of the workday. 
if you think about it. That's, what the, that's what's happening over here. There's Kaddosh, Kaddosh, Kaddosh. When we're in the middle of Shemona Esra and we're living in God's presence, we're in front of Hashem and everything's quiet and silent. But now we have the prayer, the pressure. There's the train coming, there's the meetings, there's everything that, 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 we, that, that, that we, we tried to have a, a respite from in Shul. Now we're about to meet it all. It's a crazy schedule. We're double booked all the way through. We know it's going to be a very difficult day. Um, and, and so what do we say? We say, Kaddosh Baruch we're going to translate that. We're going to translate those values into the values of where we're about to live. That's what we're, we're trying to do. Similar to the Lamatzeach, in a sense. Right, we're moving ourselves outwards now. Judaism to be lived outwards, uh, outwardly um, over here. Notice Rav, Rav Hirsch uh, trying to bridge the world of Torah and the world of the world reality around him. Living in Germany with us really, really ideologically was his struggle. Because many of, the, many of the folks would say, be a Jew in the house and a man in the street, right? or a German in the street. And, and what Rav Hirsch was saying if you, uh, ideologically in this is the two have to work together. Somehow the Judaism needs to seep over into the street. You need to be a Jew everywhere. But that's hard. And this idea of Torah im derech eretz is a very hard um, balance to create. But he sees it in the actual liturgy itself. In fact, it is interesting to note that uh, just in, in the Siddur Avodah Lev, which is the most recent RCA Siddur, which I have a few copies of the black RCA Siddur, which has just come out, um, the comment which is made in the name of Rashi, on top of page 5, the second column on the right, four lines down, he says, this, says Rashi, makes this a particularly desirable player. Clearly the unusual inclusion of the vernacular Baramak translation, the detailed commentary surrounding the quoted verses confirms that it was intended as Torah study by the untutored masses, followed by a prayer itself by a variation of the Birakos Torah. So interesting enough, he views it as, as this interpretation of Rashi is, why do we have Kedusha Tzidra in Aramaic? Because it's meant to be that the regular Hamdra and the regular populace are able to take those <laughs> ideas and move them outwards, which is why we have this Me'ein Ber Kasatora, Baruch HaLekenu Shabaronu Lichvodo, Vididonu Min Atovin Asalonu Torah, Semesachayonu Natova Sochenu. Right, that's all about a Ber Kasatora, about our uniqueness as Jewish people. Taking one step further, instead, indeed in the response of Rav Natronai Go'on, Descri- it describes it similarly. It was not so much inserted as a prayer, but as an act of daily Torah study. Originally part of the lengthy Sidra, which Sidra literally means a study session. That's interesting. Kedusha to Sidra means the Kedusha said in the holy learning, um, which over time was shortened to the study of these few verses. So you say, why do we have these verses? Tzidkos, Chos, Tzedek, Lalam, writing all those Pesukim. That's learning of Torah, which is meant to be the daily dose before all the rest of the publications were created. That's what it's supposed to, to really be. Skipping a few lines to the bottom of the line on the bottom left there. Thus, what upholds the world is not the recital of this daily uh, of the derivative of Kedusha, but the all-important Torah study that preceded it. The verses from the, the regular Kedusha were chosen for such study in addition to the other selected verses to also allow those who might have missed the Amida Kedusha who are praying without a minion to recite the Kedusha in, the, in its attenuated form. Okay, this is from Professor Ezra Fleischer. Fascinating, right? So perhaps it's, yes, preparing for the going outside, but not as a prayer, but as a study. And therefore, this is our learning of Torah for those who don't have opportunity otherwise, or perhaps catching the end of Kedusha if a person maybe was late to davening. Uh, these are, this is, by the way, this is very, well, call it earthly, normalized, you know, perspective. This is, this is the perspective, the human perspective of a lot of the complexities of real life. Um, but to conclude, this is a, perhaps a more lofty perspective. The Kabbalists understood the three Kedusha prayers of Shachris reflected a spiritual progression. 
The first Kedusha preceding the Shema, the Shema we describe the angelic praise. What's the Kedusha Kodesh Kodesh? What do we talk about? Who are we talking about over there? The Melachim, the angels. So who's saying the Kedusha at the beginning? All the angelic hosts. That's the first level of Kedusha. The second Kedusha in our middle repetition we adopt the angelic praises as our own. We should sanctify your name in the world. As they do it in heaven, like the angels. So first is the angels, then it's us, right? So we move from there to us. And then the third one is the natural progression. As we prepare to leave the synagogue for the world of mundane activity, we make clear our determination to bring the life of the Spirit into our daily activities. So we move from angels to us to the world around us is how we're doing the Kedusha, which is why we say it three times in this progression, right? So notice that it starts on high and it moves outwardly from there. I always wonder to myself, as we say in the what type of Kiddush Hashem are we creating in the world? Because generally speaking, there's two different types of Kiddush Hashem. There's the Kiddush Hashem, which we talk about, we say, you know, the, the Jew goes and he returns the money on the tax return and makes a big thing and, and, that's, and everybody says, oh, it's wonderful, and they put it on the front page of the local paper and everybody says, oh, isn't that wonderful? That's a beautiful thing. That's generally speaking what we call Kiddush Hashem. But there's another type of Kiddush Hashem, which is when Mrs. Potiphar says to Yosef, um, you know, wouldn't you join me? Um, and in that situation where it's against perhaps the norms of the, norms of the time, or where a, a Jew has said, you're supposed to, you, um, why aren't you normal? Why don't you eat here? Why don't you do this? And the Jew says, I'm going to act what looks like stupidly in the eyes of the, um, of the public, and I'm going to um, go against the grain of society. And that's also a Kiddush In fact, that's predominantly the Kiddush Hashem. And I wonder when we say, which one are the angels doing? Probably they're standing on their, on their values, perhaps even when it's against the grain of the time as well. So we have to think about when, how we express that Kiddush in the world, or how many opportunities we have in both of those directions. Now, um, and then we move on to the Aleinus. We have this now, just before we get to Aleinus, we have Kaddish Tiskabel. When do we say Kaddish Tiskabel? Just a quick, quick point over here. Kaddish Tiskabel is always, always a combination of? Shona Estre, of Dublin. Okay, so that means to say, why is it different to a regular Kaddish? Because it adds in one extra phrase. What's that, 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 that phrase? Tiskabel, Tzlo'oson, Uvo'oson, Dechobes Israel. Except Tzlo'oson, Uvo'oson refers to the prayer of the house of Israel. It always follows the Shmona Esrei. And it cannot be said if there wasn't a Shmona Esrei. So therefore, if you think about this for, for a moment, on a regular day of davening, where we have, where we ha- where we have Shmona Esrei, followed by, let's say, Tachunun, um, the Kriyasa Torah, let's, let's even put in the Kriyasa Torah there, and then the Ashrei Volatzion. When we say the Kaddish Tiskabel, that's closing up what was added to the Shmona Esrei, right? So all those other pieces that we just learned about have been inserted after the Shmona Esrei, are included in Tzalahoson Uvoson, are included in prayer. Well, this gets shifted sometimes. So for instance, let's say um, in a situation like um, when you have Hallel, it becomes interesting. So let's say we have the Shmona Esrei, we do Hallel, which is now also attached on the back end of our prayers. And now we're about, we're going to, to, to have, let's say it is a day of Rosh Chodesh, we have a Musaf. What do we do right after the Hallel then? We do the Kaddish Tiskabel then, because essentially we're closing the davening of Shachris at that point in time. We then move on to the Kriya Satora and the Ashrei and Volatzion skipping the Lamatzach. We then move into Musaf without the Kaddish Tiskabel after the Levolatzion, right? All we have is there is the Chatzi Kaddish because we're moving into the, 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 the Musaf. And we have another Kaddish Tiskabel after the Musaf. So we close up the Shachris right after Hanel. 
if it's on Hanukkah where we say Hallel, and we don't have a Musaf to follow, then we don't say a Kaddish Tiskabel then. Because we're not closing Shachris to carry on with the Kriya Satora, Asher, Lord, so on, and then our Kaddish Tiskabel, which will carry back to Shachris. Because just always remembering that that's one of the differences is whether the Musaf is there or not as to that Kaddish Tiskabel, which makes things a little complicated. It is always after this. Now, interesting places where this also affects us. Let's say the night of Purim. This is sometimes where people uh, get confused. The night of Purim. We daven the, the, the Shwana Esrei of Marev. And then what do we do right afterwards before we do the Megillah? We do a Kaddish Tiskabel. What does the Kaddish Tiskabel essentially do? Close off and say Hashem, accept our prayers. The Megillah is not prayer, right? The Megillah is a separate mitzvah. So let's finish with Akash Baruch accept our prayers, Kaddish Tiskabel. We finish the Megillah. We do, Shusha, we do the, 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 the Asher Haini Piyot. Then we do Shoshana Yaakov. Beautiful. We do Asher Evolution. What do we do Asher, after Asher Evolution? We can't do a Kaddish Tiskabel because there's not been a davening. There's no tzalosan uvosan at that point in time to say. So we do essentially what's called a Kaddish Sholem without the, the Tiskabel, which is not a Kaddish Yosem. It looks like a Kaddish Yosem, but it's really a Kaddish Sholem. Just we can't say Tiskabel tzalosan uvosan because there's not been a prayer to reflect backwards on. Just interesting permutations of this Tiskabel tzalosan, but it's important to realize that what essentially Chazal did, or as the Siddur progressed, we squished in all these extras into the end of the Shemona Esrei, include them in Salah of Oson, and now the capstone, it's, it's concluded over here as well. Okay, so in, in case a person needs to leave early, part of the point is one's supposed to leave after the Kaddish Tiskabel, because it would be funny to sort of say to Davin to God, and then say goodbye and good luck, before one's even asked him to accept everything, everything beforehand. So just as important to appreciate this. Yeah. Um, are we saying that the Ashri of Rishchodesh belongs to Musaf? Right, it's a precursor to Musaf. Like it is on Shabbos. Like or let's say like Ashrei Right, exactly. But on Shabbos morning, if you think about Shabbos morning, right. when does the Kaddish Tiskabel happen in? Um, uh, is immediately after Shachris, after Halel of Shachris, depending on how Shabbos is going. Right, so we finish off Shachris. We have Enko Moicha, the Kriya Satora, now belongs to Musaf. And the Ashrei over there at the, uh, actually belongs to Musaf. So much so that when does the Baal, Baal, the, Baal um, um, the Shlech Tzibur, take over for Musaf? He takes over at Ashrei, it's already seen as part of that. That's the, the, he's already part of the Musaf experience, which is why the Tukharish Tiskabel closed off. Why, oh, this. So the Musaf sort of absorbs forward the, the, the Ashrei, yeah. So if the Tukharish Tiskabel is so intrinsically connected to the Shimon Ashrei, shouldn't it be the same Shlech Tzibur who does both and not change Shlech Tzibur for Ashrei Val Good question. That's a very good question. Uh, and, and I'm not sure why it is that we, that, that we have that shift over there. As to the, that's a very good question. That's a very good question because you're said you're more, more natural as to as opposed to democratizing and giving us this extra section. It seems like it's really part of part A. Good question. I don't know the answer to that. Probably because he's up there already. You know, it, it, it could be, but I mean, why, what Paul's saying is just take a step backwards from that. Why are you putting him up there in the first place? That's what he's saying. Um, now let's let's move on to Alenus. So now we've finished davening, so to speak. In a sense, we've we've talked about Tiskavot last one. So what are we doing afterwards? <laughs> so why is there? Why is there, there, there stuff we're saying afterwards? So that we say it's incredibly important tefillah, which is called Alain al-Shabach. Notice, when you look, at, when you look at, a, at, at anything in the Siddur, if you want to find out if it was a pasuk or not, you can either go through the recesses of your mind because you learned Tanakh completely beforehand, or you can also look if the Siddur has footnoted it. And if, in the Siddur, you'll notice that Alain is not footnoted except for the very end. There's a pasuk quote at the end, Hashem Yenuch Right, but, uh, but that means to say that it is a prayer, it was invented. So who invented it? Who, who created it? A lot of interesting traditions. Here is one of them. This tradition comes from, uh, is good in the time of Amin Hagim. 
He um, is quoting the Elia Rabba in Source 7, who says, Tam aleinu acha You know something interesting? Aleinu follow, follows Kiddush Levana. So you do on a Motzah Shabbos, if you're able to, there's a cloud in the sky, you say, you say, you say Kiddush Levana, and what do you do afterwards? Aleinu, what's Aleinu doing over there? Says the Elia Rabba, Mishum, Levana. That Yoshua's face, the second leader of the nation of Israel was Joshua. Yoshua brought him into the land of Israel. And he was compared to the face of the moon as opposed to the face of the sun. He was reflected light of Moshe Rabbeinu. How does that help us? He explains, Olenu was composed initially by Yoshua upon the conquest of the city of Jericho. And that's why he put his name into it. Um, um, in, a, in, a, in a backwards perspective um, over here. So what does that mean? Oleinu, shaloyosam, v'anachnu korim, and huolokeinu. Which means to say, not word by word, but pasuk, or sorry, phrase. There's no pasuk in here. Phrase by phrase. If you look at the phrase by phrase, it is hoshea, backwards. Okay? Um, um, before the pasuk is quoted of v'yadata hayom. Fascinating. Okay, so Yeshua put it in over here, which is a reflection of his emuna in his belief in God upon conquering Jericho. Interesting um, just observation for those who are interested is if you look in the next paragraph, which is Al-Kayna Kavalecha, the first three letters of the acronym of Ach, are Achan. Achan was the person who took from the spoils of Jericho when Yoshua was the leader and under, so to speak, um, undermined the whole experience of what their moon was supposed to be over there. Fascinatingly enough, it only appears in the liturgy about 800 years ago, technically, as we were able to find it. But the, it, it certainly was a prayer which, clearly, according to this tradition, predates us, even though perhaps it wasn't part of the, the straight and narrow of, of davening. Now, this particular, this particular prayer is, is one of incredible magnitude, spiritual magnitude. Rabbi Sachs has a very, very beautiful observation on, on, on this. In fact, this really represents, like Rav Hirsch's uh, ideology, this also represents Rabbi Sachs's ideology. And I would highly recommend that everybody reads an essay, which was actually the speech Rabbi Sachs gave in 2013, when he became, just sorry, 2012, when he stepped down from being the chief rabbi of the United Kingdom, which is an essay called Judaism Engaged with the World. And he really expands this idea in full color. Very beautiful description. In here, um, this is what he says on the Siddur. This is uh, pre, uh, this, this is pre that, that essay, but you can really see the, the ideas um, developing here. He says, since the 12th or 13th century, it has become the custom to bring all the services to a close with a magnificent prayer known as Alenu. All the prayers means? Shachris, Mincha, and Marev. Right? So every prayer ends with an Alenu. A construct of two paragraphs which together make a striking statement of particularity of the Jewish faith and its universal aspiration for humanity. Those are two opposite ideas. Particularity is how unique we are as Jews. Universality is how broad our mission is to the rest of the world. The first paragraph, which was originally used and still is, is an introduction to the blessing of kingship in the Musaf of Rosh Hashanah. Right? So even though Olenu as a prayer may have only come to the end of davening, or, or at least in the Sidurim we see 800 years ago, but it's been in the Musaf of, 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 uh, of Rosh Hashanah for much longer. Less a prayer than a declaration of faith, it speaks of the singular vocation of the Jewish people as bearers of the message of monotheism. Twice, this, the prayer uses the expression, there is no other, forcibly expressed in Hebrew by two monosyllabic words, ein od. Did you notice that? Just the language itself captures it. Ein od is so absolute, there's not even a double syllable in each of those words. Ein od, there's nothing else. 
The Ainu Ad Milvado comes from this idea. There's the Efes Zulosai. There's nothing else outside of God. That means to say there's no department which is not answerable to God, not even the bad department. Okay? All under monotheism. It's a declaration of faith. The second paragraph turns to God in, um, and to the future to a time when all humanity will acknowledge the one God, a vision eloquently spoken of by the prophet Zechariah, from whose book the final verse is taken. It contains a phrase to reflect the world under the sovereignty of God, which became a leading theme of Lurianic mysticism in the 16th century, Tikkun Olam. This is where in the, in the liturgy we actually mention the Sakein Olam B'Malchus Shakai, that to fix the world in the dominion of the rule of God. Who's doing that? Who's responsible for that in the prayer? Not us. It's a prayer to God. Now, it's, it's interesting, although, although um, today's Judaism, Tikkun Olam becomes the main thing, we're going to save the whales and everything, but true truth be spoken, um, it's actually a prayer to God. We, we depend and hope upon you, O God. That you will bring out, you will destroy idolatry from the world. We want you to establish the world in the dominion of God. Notice, by the way, this is a little bit of a departure, or perhaps I'll say the other way around. Christianity and Islam have a little bit of a departure from Judaism in this, in this respect, where they believe it is uh, humanly incumbent to fix the world in the, in the dominion of God, which means to say, wipe out everybody else. That's not the way that Judaism framed it. We ask of you, God, to be able to do this Tikkun Olam um, as well. If you want to uh, do, uh, take a, a longer study in this notion of Tikkun Olam and its originations, I would highly recommend uh, the uh, reading To Heal a Fractured World, Rabbi Sachs' book, where she has a chapter called, um, uh, which he calls uh, um, Mending the World, where he talks about the two ideas of where Tikkun Olam comes from, one of them being Olenu, another one being um, Luriana Kabbalah, the Arizal, and how the two formed to, uh, to came together to the concept to, um, that we, we talk about today. Fascinating um, history, but nonetheless, that's in the second. That's very universal, right? That's Hashem, we want everybody to see your light. It's not about our faith, it's about the world, right? Notice the difference in, in tone then. Therefore, he says, no prayer is, no more, is more eloquently expresses the dual nature of the Jewish people. To see, uh, its singular history as the nation chosen um, to be God's witness on earth and its universal aspiration of the time when all the inhabitants of the earth will recognize the God is in whose image we are formed. Is that beautiful? So it's been, notice the, the, the order. It starts off with us. We have to believe in God no matter what. No matter which way the wind's blowing. And then we also want Hashem to express that truth to the rest of the world. It's not that we're living in our own cloister as well. I always find it funny in the tune that is, that is used here in America where the kids get up there. And they, and they end off, you know, the whole point of this is about oneness. Don't repeat the words if we're talking about the oneness of God. It always struck me as a little strange. Because, but anyways, this is, the, this is the, the idea is that the whole world is going to appreciate God as one. There's not going to be different departments. It's not that there's different differentiations. In Halacha, it's taken very, very seriously. So the Bach, the Rav Yol Circus, in his commentary on the tour, notes the, the following uh, Halacha about this, about Oleinu. He says in Source 9, um, The person should walk out of davening with Yechud, with the idea of singularity of God's experience. This, the, and we have this, we know that, we, that Hashem will do this, Hashem will fix the world, even though it doesn't look like it around us. So we're going to have to deal 
with a world which is not like our own. We're going to deal with a world which does not uh, 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 subscribe to our values. Hashem, we know that you're going to ultimately change the world around, right? We're, we're not going to forcibly for, uh, uh, change that, but understand we're not going to be influenced by that. We're talking to ourselves. We know, Hashem, you've got to cover to the end. And the Mishabur actually says, in fact, on the, in the Salacha, in Kufla Bebez, which is where it is briefly talked about, he says, that when we say Aleinu, so to speak, the celestial host is saying, praiseworthy is this nation. Right? Now, I guess they say it faster if we say it faster. <laughs> but uh, Aleinu is one of the, 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 davening, the parts of the davening, which at this point in time, you know, we've gotten to such inertia, it's very hard to, to slow down. But it's important to appreciate the significance of Aleinu. Aleinu is a very, very important uh, part of the prayer, um, which, which I think requires a little bit of a re-evaluation. Um, notice that at this point in time, uh, there is a departure in terms of the Nusrah. So Nusrah Ari, Nusrah Svarad, Edud Mizrach. Over here, actually don't do Aleinu here. Aleinu is so important, it's actually put at the very, very end. Always the tail end. And in, but instead, what's said now is the Pitzah Katoris and the Shil Shil Yom, right? All the extras, and then the capstone is Aleinu, right? So Aleinu is always pushed to the end, whereas in Nusraf Ashkenaz, it's right afterwards, and then you have all the extras after it as well, um, in terms of the differentiation. Um, but there is also this notion of Pitzah Katoris. So where does it come from? Why do we say it? Why do we not say it? So... The, it comes down to a very important point. The, the Ketores is has incredible significance to us in many ways. The, the, the Ketores was something which on the one hand stops plagues, we know. In Parashat Korach it was what stopped the plague that was consuming the people from complaining about Moshe Rabbeinu exacting justice. We also know that it is also a, a, um, a, a the, it has a certain segula for riches. There's a, it's a very, very powerful part of the service, which is why a coin would only get to do it once in his life to do the Ketores. Um, it, was, uh, it was on the lottery. Um, so the Ramar tells us in Shulchanach, in the end of Davning Halachas, in Kuf Lamed Beis, he says, It's a good idea to say um, the Pitabak Ketores. We should first say, which is again a declaration about the oneness of God. It's important to read not by heart, but from a script. Now, some people say that means to say that's from the sitter, but some people actually mean, uh, understand that means from the klaf. Ksav means from klaf, which is why many people have their own, their, their own klaf. If you're interested over here, there's a very beautiful one just behind us in this room over here. So that's why it was actually put in this room because we used to have in chakras a lot in this room, PC, uh, pre-corona. And, um, and so as you're going out, you could stand by the, the wall and say the Pictum Akhoros Mitoch Aksav. This is what the Ramah is talking about. That's why people do this. Sharmira Bamakam Akhoros. Why does it need to be out of this scripture? Because it is in the place of bringing the Akhoros. V'chayshinon Shema Yedaleg Echad Mesama now. That God forbid if you, you say it too fast and you skip one of the ingredients of the Akhoros. If a coin were to bring the katores and skip one of the, katores, the, the ingredients, that would be a penalty liable of the capital punishment. So when we're saying it and our lips are in the place of that, we don't want to, God forbid, skip anything, which is why we have to do it so carefully. So the Ashkenazi tradition is not to say it during the weekday. Again, very humanistic perspective over here. People are rushing. People really are rushing. And, you know, and so we don't want to put a person in a position where they're going to say it too fast. There we go. And we don't want a person to do it. So the reason why it's, it's not said in the Ashkenazi tradition is because of the absolute awe and fear of not doing it correctly. 
because it's so special. The, in, the, in the Nusach Ari, in the Nusach Svarad, which do say it, is because it's so important, but therefore it's very important to do it properly. So that, that's just where the debate comes in as to, um, as to the Pitama Kutaris and the significance of saying and not saying. And finally, we get to Shir Shalyam, we'll close the. Yes. Yes. So, yes, so we say the one paragraph in the Korbanus section, right. and then again over here before we were, before we out. You're right, you're right. And also, he says, uh, there are more says, uh, in the Hebrew Adam, when he knows what says the Hebrew Yeah, no, I don't, I'm not sure, I'm not sure where, 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 where that sort of, where that sort of, must have, yes, so even the Nuzahari doesn't say it in, in the evening. I'm not sure where that, where that Minak came along the side, but already in the 1500s, apparently, there was such a, there was, there was, oh, beforehand. There you go, there you go. There we go, very good. So I'm, I apologize, I'm, I'm, I'm on the Lithuanian side of the border. Um, so w- what, about, what about the Shir Shalyam? So there's a mission in Tamed that comes up a number of times at the end of Sukkot. It also talks, the Gemara talks about this. The Gemara tell, tells us that every day there was a, a, a company in the Karbanos, well, not just the Karbanos, the Karban. What Karban are we referring to? The Karban Tamed. Every morning there'll be a Karban Tamed, and accompanying it would be certain songs. Who would sing these songs? Yeah, the Levim. And. And the Ma- uh, the Ma'amadas. There were also Yisraelim who were part of this as well. There was jury duty, folks, right? So people would get this in the in the mail, and that'd be you are you are required to become to the best of the week X, Y, and Z, and then people have to prepare, and they go to the mikvah, and then put themselves in a state of purity, and they'd come and they'd stand by the korbanos as a representation of their brethren to be back next to this korban sibur, and there'd be certain verses they would say, and we had the Gemara talks about how they would repeat them if the if it would take long enough to have what they would repeat and what and what would be said, but every day of the week would necessitate a different psalm in Tehillim. So the mission tells us, and it goes through all these things. And where do we say this? We say this actually at the end of Pitama Kataris, this, this, this Mishnah in on Shabbos, where we say, where we say the, the Shir Shayavimayoramrim. Just let it be known as a fascinating observation then that the Vilna God has as Akpara that there are different Shir Shalyams based on the Karbanos of other days as well, not just Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. But there are also on any special days on Hanukkah there's special uh, shir shalyams on every 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 different special day there's a special mizmor tehillim. So if you go through tehillim, you'll find there are many other shir shalyams. We don't have the practice of switching them in. We do have Shabbos, right? But Yom Tov would have its own. Rosh Chodesh would have its own. There will be other ones which would be said of the shir shalyam. Now, so why are we doing it essentially? Why are we saying the shir shalyam every mo- every every morning? So on the one hand. It seems to be that we are trying to re- recreate, we're trying to do a Zeicher Lemigdash of what would have been done with the carbon Tomit Shal Shachar, which is reflected in what Shachris is today. Shachris is, is, is supposed to be in its place. However, there's another element to this, which I think is important, considering perhaps we'll close this now, and that is, Rasulavechik makes the point in his Siddur, in the Koran, um, Rav Siddur, Mesorat Rav Siddur, he says, the myth of remembering the Sabbath day begins in effect on the very first day of the week. So folks, we're on Sunday right now. We start talking about Shabbos already. All week long, a person anticipates Shabbos, yearning for it, and thinks about it. Waiting for Shabbos with the tenseness and impatience, the Jew counts his days in relation to Shabbos, so that he might not only know of the Sabbath, but know the Sabbath itself. The Jew must know his God personally, directly. This means feeling his presence, feeling his intimacy as a reality. Judaism is not only a divine doctrine to be perceived by the mind, or a divine mystery to be accepted and implemented by the head. It is also divine romance, a transcendental love affair 
in which man, man seeks to perceive the great love of the infinite. In anticipating Shabbos, the Jew is waiting for, the, for infinity to embrace him. Isn't that beautiful? Sunday morning, here we are, we're just recovering. We're going to have a whole day to get things done together. But the first thing we do is to say, it's almost Shabbos again. And if you think about it from, 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 from this, this perspective, that's something which we don't do altogether right today, is we are so indoctrinated, we are so exposed to the way of the world around us, it's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and Friday. That's just how we talk. But in the times, in the times of, of Tanakh, and the way it's supposed to be, is it's Yom Rishon, Yom Sheni, Yom Shlishi. To what? To Shabbos. It's all about counting to Shabbos in the same way the months of the Jewish calendar are. Chodesh Rishon, Chodesh Sheni, which is from the times of? Exodus. We supplanted them with the Golos expression of Adar and Nisan and, yeah, and Iyar and Sivan. Those are, those are Babylonian names which we adopted because of the diaspora experience. And Sunday and Monday are a diaspora experience. But let's remind ourselves, we finish davening, of the experience of moving towards the divine, of a Kaddish Baruch Hu being a significant part of our lives as well. So that's also part of this. It's not just the Zech and English as well. Tibi, yeah. Why do we say the What do you mean? We do. Oh, why is it said at this point in time? Good question. I'm not sure. I'm not sure why, why, why it's, why it's relegated to the end of davening. Yeah, I mean, especially the coincidences with flows. Yeah, I'm not sure why, why it's specifically based on the end of davening. Our head is going to be in, in the work. Okay, so, so, let's, so let's, let's remind yeah, ourselves of where we're going. Maybe that's why Sparrow has it before. Maybe that's why Sparrow has it before. It's true. Oh, it could be a question. It's why it shouldn't be right by the Shemones Anyways, Rabbi Sai, a lot to discuss.